podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Pod three sixty two. And do you know what, Kevin? We haven't done this for a while, but it's Pod three sixty two. We're still in isolation. 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 Not proper isolation. Not for long. Yeah. Oh, well, that was nice to hear you guys singing again. Um, yeah. I, anyway, I'm Jim Daly. That's my way of introducing the panel. Kevin Day is here. Hello to Hello. you. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. Thank you. How are you? Uh, very good. Very good, good, especially after the weekend. Uh, James Endicott is here as well. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Thank you, JD. Very good indeed. And, 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 and like yourself, rather happy after the weekend. I had a leisurely weekend yeah. and um, my football team got a point. <laughs> deserved point, so I'm rather happy. A deserved point against the Premier League leaders. Uh, which a leads rather me on, top team, yeah. Indeed, leads me on nicely to our fourth guest. Delighted to have him back. It's been a long time since he's been I think I should find your third guest. Yeah. What did I say? Oh, you know, I'm not good at maths. It's not my, not my strong point. Um, and this, is, this is a man who, some, uh, despite being a Tottenham fan, I know he wanted to be neutral during this, we all know he's a Tottenham fan, has somehow become almost more associated with Crystal Palace through his work with Sky Sports News. Massively popular with the Palace fans and the FYP listeners whenever he's on. It's the one and only Michael Bridgey Bridge. Hello to you. That's very kind, Jim. That is very, very kind. I'm quite touched by that. Yes, you're right. My team drew as well at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, uh, it's uh, perfect timing uh, to get you on. Um, before we talk about that one, we'll draw at Salah between uh, Palace and Spurs. Can I get a drum roll for a random patron, please? Beautiful. It's Mr. Tim S. Last. Hi, Tim. Tim. What a legend. Uh, And you can join our patron and get all the rewards like Tim, um, uh, including the post-match podcast, patron-only merchandise, and access to the patron-only WhatsApp club, which was popping off on Sunday at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Um, Right, Kevin, we've got loads of notes to talk about this week, loads of questions, and an article from The Athletic. The article this week is about Vicente Guaita, so we'll save Guaita chat for part two, because he deserves some uh, some coverage on his own for that performance. Um, Part one, I want to talk about... I want to talk about Eberhard Chiesa, if that's okay to start with. So I watched the, I, I watched the match of the day to uh, highlights to see what the punters have been uh, saying about Eze. And for the second week in a row, uh, and it was Jermaine Genius and Alex Scott this week, um, they were absolutely... They couldn't believe how good Eze is. They couldn't believe that Palace have got him. Uh, and the praise for him was absolutely unbelievable. He, again, at the weekend, was fantastic. And what I loved about him is, and we, we sort of, there's been parallels of Yannick and Yannick and Wilf and now Eze and, and Wilf. The number of times that when Eze had the ball, Wilf was free because people were concentrating mm. on him. We now, we're starting to have this balance up top that we've been asking for since Yannick left. Uh, we have, and I... I think it's also important, and I hope we talk about this other player specifically as well. And I think that's partly down to Benteke. And I know we had a Benteke loving last week, but I thought he was absolutely superb yesterday. There's the the pivot, the fulcrum, whatever you want to to call it. He was he was just physical, strong. He just enabled the the front two and the midfield players to get up and join him and whiz around him in a way that's a joy to watch. And I was actually probably as excited by that. Not necessarily the result, but the, that performance, as I have been by a Palace performance in a long time. It's, it's all very well to play exciting, attacking, dynamic football against 
10 men West Brom winning 3-1 up. But to do it against the possible champions-elect, against the team with, the, I believe, the best away record in the Premier League is a totally different matter. So to us, to see us play that sort of football when we're 1-0 down against Spurs in the second half was joyful. And Eze was the one you you, you can't take your eyes off. And again, I'll, I'll say Endicott said that from the very first minute he stepped onto the pitch against Southampton. You can't take your eyes off him. And it's, yeah, we, we got a bit frustrated early in the season saying, well, why isn't he playing every week? Where's he playing? And again, the opposition are going to be saying, please don't let him play every week because they don't know where he's playing. But it's just the way they were all bouncing around up front yesterday. And I, I can't remember if it was Jermaine Jennings who said it, but it's like almost like a lesser version of Liverpool. It's like we've got this really solid base now that the front three or four almost left on their own to, to do it together. And it, it was because we've talked so often in the past about having balance. It's like, Roy, you've got this, you've got the organisation sorted. You've got the defence sorted. Now just, just give us a little bit up front. And now we're, we're getting it. And it was wonderful to watch yesterday. Was some of our one-touch football yesterday was you had to half close your eyes to be sure it was us playing. It was brilliant. <laughs> well, I mean, we've come a long way from two weeks ago with those results against Newcastle and Burnley. And... One of the comments used on Match of the Day, I think it was Mark Chapman, said that Palace are fun to watch. To watch. <laughs> now, he went on Palace Twitter two weeks ago and said Palace are going to be fun to watch. I mean, people would have laughed you out of town. But this is the thing, Enders, that we have the last two games have seen these incredibly attacking second half performances coming out, giving results, uh, performances where it's need to be done, especially against a team like Tottenham, who, as Kevin says, have really, really found their form under Jose Mourinho. Mm. Stephen Sheffield, one of our listeners, has said, how pleasing was it to finally see Palace break down a team after going behind at home? Not something that's happened very often. Mm. Ebbs has the key to Jose's bus. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he certainly did, yeah, because the, the bus... Uh, uh, he does normally part of the bus, doesn't he, Jose? But he really didn't yesterday. I don't know, it's just, it just seems to be clicking for us at the moment, doesn't it? Uh, and we, we have threatened it for a while. But I think, you know, once again, talking about Eze, the introduction of Eze, him playing on a regular basis, his confidence getting higher, that, as you say, allows Wilf that bit of freedom. The resurgence of Benteke, all these things have to be all connected. They've got to be all connected. You know, there's not just one of them is bringing them all along, and it's just and it is exciting to watch. Fun, I don't know. I would say fun. It's never fun watching Palace, is it? Because there's always that chance, <laughs> you know. And, and and especially after that, we will talk about going to later on. And I don't know whether I don't think it really was a howler in the first half. I think there were, there were mitigating cir- circumstances for that goal going in. But he kind of felt, oh, here we go, here we go, Spurs. They're good. They've got yeah. some good players. This is it now. We're 1-0 down after 20 minutes. It wasn't really against the run of play, and they carried on playing quite well. But the second half, it was just like another team. It was just, it was incredible. It was, so, it was very, very exciting to watch and very pleasing at the same time. Well, yeah, yeah it certainly was very pleasing because I think you're right. I mean, it was it was the exact same result and goal scorers from the last game of last season, which was in July at Sellhurst. Schluppy and Kane getting the goals. Bridgie, from a, from a professional journalist point of view, did, we obviously moan about Palace quite a lot on this podcast and we, when we nitpick <laughs> and pick apart things that are going wrong. But, but with the introduction of Eze now in the summer, does it seem like Palace are a more balanced approach? Um, obviously building on the sort of defensive nature that, that Roy has us. And, and dare I say it, are, are we fun to watch from, from a neutral's point of view? Me being a neutral, uh, I, I always look out for Palace's <laughs> results as well, though. Obviously, you know, it's the club closer to my heart now than before. But, you know, my, my, my gripe with Palace, and I'm sure you'd all agree, is that I want to see Crystal Palace look good without wealth. And they didn't pass those tests the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, that's That, for me, is still the issue with Crystal Palace Football Club. Um Obviously, last week against West Brom was, was fantastic. Yes, they went down to 10 men, but you've still got to put five in the net, which they did. Um, what Eze does to me is someone who's just going to excite the crowd. And, you know, he's the one player Palace targeted in the summer. Look, they say to me, look, we, we want to bring down the average age, but we want to bring it down with quality. And that is what he is. He is a quality footballer and he's going to get better and better. Um the fact he's playing alongside Wilf and the other attackers, not just replacing Wilf, which the lazy people outside of Sirhurst would, would have assumed, oh, does that mean he's off? That was never the case. Yeah. Um, but it was very encouraging. And it, it's good because hopefully that does that gives Roy Hodgson an easy decision to make. He plays. He plays every game. He's, you know, maybe subbed for the occasional 
a crazy Christmas schedule, but he, he's, he's lodged into that team now. What excites me for Crystal Palace is, over uh, a lot of so-called bigger teams, is the bench. I mean, yeah. look at Crystal Palace's bench now. You know, you've got IU, you've got Townsend. Townsend will hate being on the bench, you know. Yeah. That if they've got defenders on the bench, Ward, Tompkins, you know, it, it looks strong. It's, it's littered with experience. I've not even mentioned Michi Bashwai. Mm, yeah. You know, you've got Jack Butland, which is a, looks like a very sensible signing. So you've got a senior goalkeeper, you know, happy in inverted commas to be playing number two at the moment because the number one is just a mm. fantastic goalkeeper. I think in a way you look at the goalkeeper and I know you will go on to him soon, but he's he's a secret. And you want him mm. to stay a secret because <laughs> no one mentions him. And in my Spurs WhatsApp group, um, I, I he made a save before the mistake. And I said, this guy's a really good keeper. <laughs> and then he did that with Kane. It was his fault. And, and he said, I thought you said he was good. I went, because he is. <laughs> Goalies make yeah. mistakes. Yeah. And then you see it. As the game went on, you see he saved them. That Eric Dyer free kick looked into me. I thought it was in. Yeah. So overall with Crystal Palace, yes, they should have a reason to be excited. 110%. But my challenge to them is for them to look better and not so reliant on Wilf. Because it's clear to me he brings so much to the players around him. But mm-hmm. saying that, I don't want him to get injured. I don't want him to get, to get suspended. But just maybe, even if he gets brought off after one game, 60 minutes, 70 minutes, let's, let us let Palace whack a couple more in without that sort of reliance, which I still seem to find in this side at the moment. Michael, can I ask you a question? Yeah. About your, I imagine your Tottenham WhatsApp group is 90% people in the media. Because no. Everybody, no. everybody in the media <laughs> no. is a Tottenham fan. Every <laughs> single TV producer supports Tottenham. And I was speaking to a couple of them last night. Yeah. Were, Mourinho can't win, for, still for a lot of Tottenham fans. As they were moaning about the central defence, we pay Palace too much respect. We should have started with Winks or Daly Alley, but their creativity. I, I can't understand. I said to me, you've got every chance of winning the Premier League. Don't care. We'll win that and then he can go. It's like, yeah, he's, he's going to win you the Premier League possibly. I don't care. They just don't, they don't buy him. They don't buy Mourinho. And I, I don't, I don't understand that. I know they're not playing the, in the Tottenham way, but when you play the Tottenham way, you never won anything. What's the Tottenham way? I want to win things. You yeah. know, I, I'm sick to death of, I mean, this is like, so Spurs fans are really enjoying Arsenal being 15 for the moment, but even that's irrelevant. If Tottenham don't go on to win something like last season, Spurs finished above Arsenal, for example, they still go and win the FA cup. Um, it's time to win things. It doesn't have an asterisk when it says, yeah, they played well as well. You know, <laughs> Liverpool beat Tottenham in the worst Champions League final ever because it was a month too, too late. Both teams were absolutely knackered after a grueling Premier League season. Um, well, it's funny because my Spurs supporting non-media friends are saying to me, why aren't the media giving Tottenham any credit after they beat Arsenal 2-0, Man City 2-0, drew away Chelsea? And certain sections of the media uh, are saying that Spurs, Spurs, Spurs aren't entertaining. They're parking the bus, blah, 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 blah. And I'm getting to a point where I think, yeah, you've got a point. Are they having a go at Harry Kane's positional, you know, winning the fouls and this, that and the other. When Calvert-Lewin did it the other day, but no one talks about that. I, I get it. Um, in terms of the Mourinho f- fans not being fan of Mourinho, I have to say, even the ones I know who weren't keen at first, the ones I know are, are really coming around. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure. I've, I haven't heard too many anti him at the moment. I mean, they loved Pochettino. That was the problem. Yeah, they yeah. loved him. Right. You know, yeah. he was just a great guy. I mean, I don't think anyone would say anything bad about Pochettino. Um, but there's something happening at Tottenham. Um, my criticism yesterday would have been that it was coming that goal. Uh, yeah. the, the way Spurs sat back, that that's what disappointed me. Then as soon as it was one, one, well, Spurs were like, they're going to score again. <laughs> mm. uh, you know, Ben Seke gives the ball away and or a foul and Eric Dyer's free kick. Then we were just bashing it into the box. That's what kind of annoyed me. Why did it take Palace to equalise for that to happen. We can't just sit back throughout the game. Mm. But looking at it, look, the top of the league, Liverpool dropping points. I, I've said now for the last few weeks, Kev, that the team that wins the league will be the one with the least amount of players in the treatment room. That's how mm. I see the way this, this Premier League season is going to go. And then going back to that on Crystal Palace, there's absolutely no reason why they can't start thinking a bit more than 11th, 12th, if they keep players out of the treatment room. It's going to be a really bonkers season. I, I, there's nothing for me to stop me thinking. I mean, look, Fulham, Fulham yesterday looked like yeah. Barcelona in Pep's era. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought Fulham were gone a few weeks ago. Yeah. Well, the, the, thing, 
The thing yeah. is, sorry to interrupt, Tottenham were probably fairly confident in sitting back yesterday because previous experience shows that once we're 1-0 down, especially at home, yeah. we haven't got the nows to break teams down. So that came as much as a surprise to us yesterday as it did to the watching media because I, I, I simply haven't seen Palace play like that. Mm. Certainly not when they're 1-0 down trying to chase a game. I mean, normally default setting is, is get it forward as quickly as possible. But mm. someone else... That was proper growing up Premier League football was we haven't seen for a long time. Yeah. And I don't think Tottenham would have planned for that, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Because if they had scouts at the, the Newcastle game, they would have said, boy, boys, we go 1-0 up, we've won this game. Yeah, messy, messy game. Um, awful conditions. Um, Loris should have saved it from yeah. the free kick, which led to your goal. But, you know, maybe as well, you know, I, I, I thought the crowd sounded fantastic yesterday. Yeah. You know, um, I, I don't know how they, I mean, I'm not going to get, you know, 2,000 at Tottenham Stadium, 62,000 just is just weird. So I didn't apply for the arse. It's just, but when you've got like, you saw Craven Cottage yesterday and you saw Selhurst, I generally, it sounded like 12,000, not yeah. two. Yeah. I wonder if psychologically there's some kind of home advantage back when the players are now looking at the Palace fans and you can see they're all scattered in down that stand does that help there's no wrong or wrong answer to that because we don't yeah, know yeah. but but is that one of the factors but it's funny because a few weeks ago i looked at the fixtures for tottenham hotspur and i saw oh god north london derby chelsea oh god man city but it's funny i looked at this palace one when tottenham had europa league thursday i thought oh they're ignoring this one this is going to be a tough game so in hindsight i think a draw i would i would have been happy with as a fan but the way the second half went it was a disappointment but the Palace deserved it. No, no qualms from me whatsoever. Um, I do want to come on to the fans in a minute. And we've got a little um, audio clip from Jack Pierce, who was on last week's pod, who was lucky enough to get a ticket talking about what it was like being at, in the Homesdale during that game, which I'm sure we were all very jealous of. Um, Enders, just quickly on um, that second half performance. I felt yeah. there, there were sort of clues in the first half. And I've made a few, made a few notes here, which I know is a bit shocking for me. Um, but there were... <laughs> You could see Palace players like Eze sort of driving between the lines, carrying the ball, which I know that Chelsea talks a lot about sort of ball carriers on the post-match podcast. But we seem to be doing that more. There were shots on goal. Eze had that shot. Yeah. Hit the post. Hmm. We seem to be, there was a more attacking mentality, a more conflict mentality, which then when the second half rolled around, I, I was less surprised that we got back into it because we've been sort of doing it in the first half. And you know, our listeners are noticing Quentin Solden, I has said that was a revelation. This was just such a solid performance. I couldn't believe how we kept coming forward, but not recklessly in the second half. Didn't look good after 30 minutes, but how we weathered the storm. So maybe a second half performance like this had been coming, Enders, because we do seem to, and again, West Brom last week as well, we seem to be making these more attacking inroads. Yeah. And we know that Eze is a focal point of that. Well, he's, he's a focal point. And, you know, I mentioned earlier about Benteke, who, again, had an amazing game yesterday. Wilf, of course, as uh, Bridget was talking about. It's um, it's just that thing I constantly talk about that any football fan knows about. It's just confidence, you know. And it's confidence. I think the confidence you get after winning 5-1 five, five last weekend. And then you mm-hmm. come into the Spurs game and their, their, their heads went down. What I found really interesting, I listened to... Uh, I listened to the game on the radio, on Radio 5 Live, and then I listened to the Liverpool-Fulham game afterwards. And all the talk after both the games is all about Fulham, 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 how well they'd done to get a point with Liverpool, Fulham, Fulham, Fulham. The idea that Palace had got a point against the league leaders as well, wasn't, it wasn't a surprise. To, it didn't seem to be a surprise to anybody. And, we, and it just seems we're, we're now at that point. We've, you know, we've, and we've been talking about this, you know, oh, we, you know, we, we need to learn to play like a Premier League team. And, it, and it's taken us seven or eight seasons, I, I really believe, to, to, to really settle down and get into that thing where we can do that now. We have the confidence. Whoever we're playing against, and we might go gold down against the, the league leaders, but we're not going to stop playing the ball around because we know that's how we can do it. Yes, it helps having Eze. Yes, it helps with all the other players rising to the occasion, which I, th- I think they did yesterday. And I think the point about the crowd being there, I think we'll talk about it again, that must have must have lifted the players up. Mm. Must have lifted. Because, I mean, me listening to it on the radio, I was hearing the Palace fans singing. Yeah. Was, I was getting very excited in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think what's interesting, Enders, as well, yeah. uh, and I was talking to uh, John Curran last night, blessed, oh, yeah. J- blessed JCIS memory, and that was a proper sponsor, J.D. Only get JCIS memory. I will. It's too early after two games to talk about a pattern emerging, but for two games running, you've seen us looking, trying to find a style of play. So suddenly, yeah. Yeah. we've got a style of play that looks like it might suit us. And again, as you said, that balance between defensive solidity 
and genuinely exciting attacking options. And as as Bridgie said, also on the bench options to come on as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you missed out Gyro on the bench, another midfield option. And it's it's just you just hope that Roy has looked at these last two games and went, do you know what? We're more likely to win games if we play like that than we are if we. Yeah. Play like play like we do against Newcastle. If we wait for other teams to make mistakes, if we go on the front foot as we did in the second half of both games, then we've got the players to cause anybody problems. And that, that what you want is for everybody at the club to say, "Roy, see, we have been mentioning this, <laughs> and let's see how it goes." And my fear is that we've now got two difficult games away to West Ham and, and home to Liverpool, and, and I'm really upset that Liverpool have now gone five away games without. Uh, winning because they they were going to want to end that record, but I want to see us play the same way against West Ham and Liverpool because I think that's the best way to beat those teams. I really do. If you see if you see the way Fulham took Liverpool on yesterday in a way that I don't think anybody would have done last season, and Liverpool look vulnerable, and I think we're a much better team than Fulham are. We've got better attacking options, and that's what I want to see us do. Especially, hopefully, we won't get moved to Tier Three. Hopefully, we'll have two thousand fans there again. On Saturday, and that'll be really. I think that's the way to beat them. But as Bridget says, you know, without Wilf, we are going to play a different way. The Newcastle game, obviously, he wasn't there, and the Burnley game. But once he's back, we are able to play a bit more expansively. Um, we have talked about Wilf numerous times, so let's move on to uh, the fans. And as you say, Kevin, yeah, I mean, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. We don't know what tier London's going to be in, uh, but obviously, two thousand fans were allowed in to sell us at the weekend. Um, would you like to hear Jack Pierce's uh, audio report yeah. from the Homesdale? Yeah, yeah, definitely. All parked up and ready to walk up to Selhurst. Anti-backer mask in the pocket. The new requirements for the football fan in twenty twenty. Horrible and wet. Proper day for football. Can't wait to see the place again. Can't wait to see Ebbs for the first time. Really, really excited. Up the Palace. the car after a very wet walk back from the ground um, but a, a thoroughly enjoyable afternoon Palace excellent um, and of course great to be back in the ground um, in terms of the performance Palace were just really good second half the much better side um, you know Vicente Huayta makes a wonderful save at the end he also made a, a, a superb instinctive uh, save in the in the first half as well he, of course, he could probably do better with with Harry Kane's goal, but two wonderful saves, which um, which certainly secure us at least a point from a game that we very much deserved at least that. Um, in terms of being back at the ground, just a, a wonderful um, a wonderful moment really to to be back where um, I and so many others love. Um, in terms of uh, the queuing process, it was very orderly. You just have to kind of get in line, and you know you're you're into the ground before you know it really. Um, and in terms of being in the ground. You know, you're just reminded to kind of keep your space. But I think the idea is, you you know, you get to your seat as quickly as possible. Um, and then in terms of once you're in your allocated seat, you, you're appropriately distanced from from others. Um, and then, you know, as, as for today's crowd, didn't see any sort of objection at all to any of the requirements to be in the ground. So everybody wearing masks, everybody keeping to their allocated seat. Um, yeah, I think everybody was just really pleased to be back there. Some some hilarious uh, panto moments, of course. I, I I actually forgotten how much uh, a referee's inconsistency in terms of their decision um, can get to the uh, <laughs> the emotions of of grown adults. But uh, yeah, that that was very much the case with Kevin Friend, um, and of course the. Um, the, the jokey uh, chant to Spurs fans not making too much noise uh, was also very well timed and uh, and got a few laughs as well. So really great to be back. Um, thoroughly um, good performance from Palace and um, just hope as many of you are able to get to Palace uh, and sell us as, uh, as soon as possible um, so you can also enjoy um, returning to somewhere that, that means so much to you guys as well. So um, yeah, uh, Jack out. <laughs> It was very emotional at the kickoff, I have to say. And he, he says social distancing was maintained. <laughs> it, it was my, the fav, my, my, there's two brilliant things about yesterday. And the first was the steward who gave up after three seconds when 
the Palace fans were celebrating in the corner when he was clearly told, you need to go and separate them, they need to be two metres apart. And you could see him talking into his earphones, like, you separate them, they just scored. <laughs> but, um, it, it wasn't quite as funny as Benteke and Son wrestling while everybody else was taking the knee, oh, which, yeah. is one, which is one of the highlights. <laughs> it's without a doubt the funniest moment of the season. And the moment they realised they were supposed to be taking the knee was just, was just fantastic. And both looked so guilty, I'm sorry. But both knelt down and seemed it was funny, but no, it was it was wonderful to see fans back, and it is. I think, as Bridgie pointed out, like two thousand in, in in Tottenham Stadium, you might as well not have them. To be perfectly honest, although I thought they made a fair bit of noise in the in the Arsenal game, but yeah, you know, two thousand at Craven Cottage and two thousand at Sellers Park is is, is sort of nearly off ten percent, which is a decent a decent number. And I, I think the players, the way the players were spoken this week, and I'm sure all the players that spoke to Sky said the same thing. Just just having fans there when they're warming up, just having fans, they just seem to love, because they're professional footballers, they they want to play football, they're show-offs. Yeah. They don't <laughs> want to play in front of empty stadiums. And and who does? It's, it's in the same way that you and I, JD, don't choose to play in front of empty yeah, it's just been, <laughs> people just don't buy tickets. It just keeps happening. Exactly. You'd rather they were there. But <laughs> it's a brilliant. And, and hopefully that's just the, fir- the first step towards it but it's and I, I was I was quite envious although having said that I do know there's still quite a few people enders who refuse to go back until mm. the stadium the stadiums are full which is a something I understand but psychologically yesterday it was just brilliant it just felt like the start of a, a change yeah it, it did feel like the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel for once although we've had lights in, encroaching the tunnel before with the gates being firmly closed on them but <laughs> let's hope that doesn't happen but no it was great to see and it was great that we gave them a goal to celebrate as well yes absolutely what a goal that was what a goal from Schluppy <laughs> we haven't even talked about Schluppy's prowess in front of goal um, it, it it does make a difference um, at, at Sellers 2000 for Palace it's uh, when the goal went in, Palace released a video actually on Twitter of, of the fans celebrating in the home cell. And part of me thought they've actually dubbed over audio from a normal game because it just sounds like a normal crowd. Like it's, it is, it's crazy what, I guess we're just the right size club in the right size stadium for that to happen. Um, one of our listeners, Jacqueline Ann Hard, has said, did, hi, anyone Jacqueline. Oh, hi, Jacqueline. did anyone else get chills hearing a real fan goal celebration? I've sort yeah. of forgotten what one of them sounded like. It's been so long. Um, so it really was wonderful. Hopefully, we'll all get the chance to be in Sellers again at some point uh, over the next few weeks. Um, so it would be fantastic. But um, yeah, Enders, what was it like for you then on, on listening on the radio? Because I guess you could hear it. You could hear the, the fans. Yeah, no, it was great. It was, it was great hearing the fans. You know, it's always good. Uh, I enjoy listening to Palace on the radio because um, they're never anybody's favourites. You know, it's all, it was always about how Spurs are not doing what they should be doing rather than how well Palace doing. But I think, you know, through gritted teeth towards the end of the game, they all held their hands up and um, said that we deserve the point, definitely. And, you know, it was... Um, and, you know, th- they were constantly talking about the fans as well, about how good it was for them as commentators to have fans there, how it just adds to the whole game day experience, you know, as, as we all know, you know. I mean, the, people said, oh, it must be like going to see Palace in the third round of the League Cup against Colchester Town or something, you know, when there's only 2,000 people turn up. Yeah, but you get 2,000 people there just watching it. You had 2,000 people there who wanted to sing and yeah. shout yeah, and, yeah. and get behind their team, and that's the big difference. And, you know, even you know, and even when the crowds are singing at Palace, when, you know, when there's a bit of a lull in the game and the crowd, and it's a full stadium and the crowds are singing, there's probably not more than about 2,000 people singing anyway, yeah. to be fair. So when you've, I mean, if, if I'd have been one of those 2,000s, I'd have made sure I was singing for every minute yeah, of yeah. every, of, yeah. also, and I guess everybody else was as well and you know yes it helps that we're playing one of the the, the uh, bigger teams in the division you know one of the top of the league but it was great to get a point you know and it was great to, and we as Palace fans like Mourinho as well I mean, I mean he, he likes Palace he likes Palace yeah, yeah he, he likes Palace there's a nice so I mean, that was quite a nice touch you know and, he, and he's got a lot of time for Hodgson yeah. so there was a lot of things in there yesterday which made it made made for it uh, to be a great day um, it would have been shocking if that final free kick had gone in that would have just been would have been, it would have been a different pod put it that way <laughs> I, bet, I, bet Bridget, I bet Bridgie was really pleased that 2000 Arsenal fans stayed on at the end just to boo Oh, and, and, did they? Yeah, yeah. They just put two thousand Arsenal. The ones, some of them tried to leave and were, were told they couldn't leave until the end of the game. Did you, did you see, did you, did then, you see the, the image of the guy with the face mask around his head? That does, so, yeah. 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 
<laughs> uh, yeah, Brilliant. I mean, no, no. I mean, if, if if Tottenham would have scored that at the end, um, that would have been very cruel, very very cruel. But yeah, <clears throat> saying that, I was thinking if it went in, then I, as taking my work hat off, I would have started to really think Spurs have got a real chance here because it's it's those kind of extra points come the end yeah. of the season that you look back. Um, but saying that, no, as we as talk, I mean, talking about the games to yesterday, it, it was definitely a fair result. I just, I just think from a Crystal Palace's point of view, just to keep it up, you know, don't, it, don't yeah. blow it now. You know, I, you know, the odd yeah. games I've seen where you just like, <laughs> where Palace like losing it. Have yeah. you seen us before, no. Bridget? Have you seen <laughs> Palace play before? That's the challenge to for for, for, for Roy and and the it's players. always been the challenge. Yeah. It's always been the yeah. challenge. I mean, I mean, West Ham on Wednesday away. I mean. That's a great game because they're because they're playing well and West, yeah. West Ham fans don't let you forget it if they think that you know they're playing really well and like, everything's great at the moment. But there's nothing in this Palace side. I, I, if if Palace went there and won, sorry boys, but I, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. Palace have got it in them. They, um, from my recollection, they're pretty good at at the London Stadium. I mean, you, you, you'd know more mm. than me, but I've got me- but they'll they'll cause West Ham problems. And this is what I mean. I mean, it was a good point for Crystal Palace against Tottenham. But let's try and kick on now. Yeah. Well, let's kick on right oh, now. Oh, on sorry, the podcast. Saying, oh, the, Kevin, you're ruining oh, my sorry, link. Sorry, mate. The, the, the other attitude is, Bridgie, the, the more Palace attitude is we've got three really difficult games. We've taken a point out of the Tottenham one. We'll settle for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all right. One point. Spurs, West Ham, Liverpool. Point out of that. Yeah, that'll be fine. Yeah, that's, that'll do. That, that's not ruining Christmas. That's great. <laughs> well, we will preview the West Ham game briefly at the end of the podcast as per. For now, we're going to take a break and move on to part two with an article from The Athletic where we talk about Vicente Guaita. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Uh, welcome back to the Five Pan Podcast. Hey! Pod three sixty two, and this is uh, we're sponsored by the Athletic this week. A world class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage, Crystal Palace. The subscription based website and app completely ad free, no ads, no pop ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. And if you visit the Athletic or UK forward slash FYP, you can start a subscription just one pound a month. I think that's the quickest I've ever done that. Um, and this <laughs> week's article is about Vicente Guaita, who we have talked briefly about in part one. A superb performance. This article is called Guaita showed again why Palace would love to commit his future to the club by Matt Woosnam. And he talks about, uh, well, essentially why Palace should offer, offer Guaita, whose deal is up in the summer, a new contract. He also talks about he basically should be Spain number one, which I think we could probably all agree with at the moment, given the form of the other keepers in contention. And here's a bit where he says, it's true that mistakes are often remembered and focused on intently, but in Guaita's case, there is a stark contrast to those he makes compared to, the, those, compared to those of others who have come before him. The Spaniard has atoned for his errors more times than not. Apologies are usually imminent, but rejected as unnecessary. More pertinent, the reasons for that are clear. It is the manner in which he scrambles across his goal, stretches out an arm uh, far beyond what would appear to be possible, and to get shots that seem destined to nestle in the back of the net. Actually, Kevin, I don't know if you saw Guaita's uh, match of the day post-match interview, which was, the guy's a real character, absolutely fantastic, and he's sort of broken English trying to explain why he missed the Harry Kane one, how he saved uh, the other other ones as well he's he's not just making himself into as Bridgie says quietly one of the best keepers in the Premier League a secret to many people he's making himself into a Palace cult hero with the way that he conducts mm. himself in his interviews he's fast becoming already a bit of a sort of Palace legend he is I don't know what the Spanish is for exaggerating greatly but that's what he did in that interview <laughs> in terms of how he mimed how far Harry Kane's shot moved literally throwing his arms out like that's how far it moved it really moved I've never seen a ball move so much in the air I, do you know the, the, the save from the free kick was was magnificent looked brilliant but I I genuinely thought that the save that came just before that the one really low down to his left mm, was, prob- was probably the best 
the best save of the game, man. He made a save like that in the first half, close up as well. The goal was his fault. There's no point denying that. And if it had been Hennessy, that would, he would have been slaughtered. You know, if, if Hennessy had gone on to make those saves afterwards, we'd still be on this pod going, oh, Hennessy, he lost that game for us. And that, that's an indication of how much we like Gaeta. But it's, it's not just us. You can see how much more comfortable the, the centre-backs are when, when Gaeta is playing. You can see the back four are more comfortable with him. His, his distribution, that was the one thing where he was sometimes too quick to try and roll the ball out to defenders who didn't want didn't want the ball. He's, now he's got the balance right between releasing it quickly or kicking it quickly. And, and, and I just think, I'm, I'm amazed that other teams haven't looked at him. I'm amazed that you know, people like Manuel or Liverpool haven't said he'd be a brilliant backup goalkeeper. And off, they could probably offer him more money to be their backup keeper than we can offer him to keep it. But I think, from what I gather, he loves he loves the club. He loves the area. His kids are settled at, at school. He clearly knows that the fans love him. He's he's just a he's a, he's a world class goalkeeper as far as I'm concerned. And and with Butland as backup, again the old days when of course Hennessy's a good goalkeeper. He's an international goalkeeper. He's a quality keeper. But in the old days, you, you, we'd be panicking. Please not let Gaeta get injured. Now we've got a, a top quality international goalkeeper as backup, which is brilliant. But I, I, he was outstanding yesterday. And he also, he does the simple things well. He, he comes off his line well, commands his box well, he's talking all the time. He's, he's a top quality, he really is a, a, a great keeper. And thank God Brexit didn't happen three years ago. We wouldn't have been able to get him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Enders, there was someone on the pod earlier, I apologize, I can't remember who it was, we're talking about, com- maybe it was you, talking about confidence. Yeah. And after letting in that that goal, yeah. you could always imagine some goalkeepers, and I won't mention the name of a Welsh goalkeeper, but some might lose <laughs> their confidence. And then the rest of the game, you'd think, oh, he's having a dodgy one here. Greater yeah. almost made it his mission after that yeah, goal did, yeah. to think, well, I'm going to make up for that and, and put in a fantastic performance, which he did. And I think that is a testament to the, the confidence he has. And as Kevin says, the confidence that, that then exudes into the defence. Um, mm. Can I ask you a question, though, here from uh, Andy at Angry Lee UK? Okay. Um, <laughs> who we did that, we shared one of his his photo of the goal celebrations brilliant we shared it on our socials so check it out it says where does that save I'm assuming the final one because there was quite yeah. a few yesterday uh, sit compared to great palisades of the past like Martin against Huddersfield and Sproni against Ashley Barnes pretty high <laughs> to be honest <laughs> I mean you know it was pretty high it's a, a, you know, I think because it was in it was in like the 93rd minute was it as well or yeah, something yeah. you know I think that in itself um, and you know I I mean I I listened to it on the radio and it was it sounded incredible. But then watching the highlights and seeing it then, it was just like, oh my days, I can't believe this. You know, this is I think it ranks really high. I think, you know, because you're playing such quality opposition, you know, and and, and a team like Spurs, as Bridget pointed out pointed out earlier on, and a few Spurs fans I know were saying the same thing, you know, if they had have got the three points yesterday, they would have felt our season, this this can actually happen this season. Yeah. This can actually happen, and that would have given them so much more confidence. And, you know, to actually go and meet Liverpool or whatever. But, you know, putting them aside for us, it's just a confidence in the team. And I think, you know, he's he's always springing around. He's always, he's always his arms and legs are always flying around everywhere. But he seems to get those he, always in the right place. And he, he's a character. He looks like a character. He wears mad colours. Um, he's, you know, he's he's just he's just got something about him which is a little bit off kilter, a little bit, a little bit twisted, and that's what we like about him, I think. Or it, a little, was, a little bit of Palace, a little bit of Palace. It, it, it was a brilliant save, without was, a doubt. Yeah. But having having said that, the way Dyer was shaping and the way the wall was set up, that was the only place the ball was going to go. Yeah, exactly. Basically, yeah. and uh, it was it was really professional because Gaeta had set the wall up, obviously. And he he kind of knew in the you know, the way he was beaten by Harry Kane was having his weight on the wrong foot, and if that could have happened very easily. But Dyer, I don't think Dyer's the sort of player who could have got it into the other corner. So he anticipated, and that's what. But but I still think the instinct, the reflex save he made from Kane was that was incredible. Yeah. Was even was even better considering how close it was. Because remember, you've got you've got twenty yards. The best goalkeepers in the world have got that split second to see where the ball is, where it's going. Mm. With that, it's just literally it's instinct. It's and it's also having a strong enough. For it not to bounce back into, you know, as Larissa said, and I have to say, Mourinho, I thought his response when he's asked about Larissa's mistake, and he just said he's the best goalkeeper in the world. I thought was a brilliant thing. That's exactly what you, you'd want yeah. your your manager to hear, because mm. in a way, I, I'm Larissa, I imagine he's glad there was no Tottenham fans in there because they would have they would have had a go at him because it was a, a bad mistake. But Mourinho's response to that was 
was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you look at that as well, though. I mean, Tottenham have done a, which is similar to what Palace have done, getting Jack Butland in, an England international, ex-England international. Tottenham have done it with Joe Hart. Mm. And he plays in all the Europa League games for Tottenham. And although everyone is just, you know, he's got, he's got this great presence. He's great leadership. He's apparently great with the younger goalkeepers in the training ground. And he's loved every second. The games where Spurs have conceded a large number of goals in the Europa League, I mean, he was probably at fault for a couple the other week. And it just reaffirms when sometimes, if your number one does make the odd mistake, don't dwell on it too long because mm. they're goalkeepers. And a goalkeeping mistake always... Looks worse. Feel, yeah. yeah. If a, if a striker misses a one-on-one, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. he's probably got five minutes later, he scores. But, you know, with a goalkeeper, it's always a lot tougher. So, I mean, I'm sure, God, we all know Celsius, he'll be delighted seeing Guaita, but credit to Palace and, and for like pursuing him for so long. Cause they, they, they wanted him for quite a while. It takes me back to when I remember covering it and I thought, I've never really heard of this guy. I don't think many had. Yeah. And you look at him and you just look at his, I mean, Loris is a shorter sort of goalie and he's sort of got good on the, very different in terms of posture and size. We could all debate who's the best goalie in the league, blah, blah, blah. But, I look at Guaita and I just think he looks just like a, how you'd want a goalkeeper. He, <laughs> yeah. seems to have got, he seems to have the whole package. Yeah. So with that range as well, and, and uh, Palace have got real strength there. And as you say, I mean, you're someone who, you know, you look at Spironi, he's like Palace family. Yeah. And he gets it as well, doesn't he, Guaita? He yeah. gets the fans. And that goes a long way with supporters, being shown your human side. And I think that's what Palace fans love as well. Mm. I think it'd be yeah. interesting to see what happens next season because I reckon Butland will be our Europa League keeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, I totally agree. It's good that Palace yeah. are planning long-term for that. Yeah. They've really thought about that. Um, the, w- the save at the end, there's a fantastic photo doing rounds on Twitter of Guaita out mouth open. Yeah. Got, yeah. You know, absolutely at full stretch. That yeah. Brilliant. Let's end this part, though, just by um, Matt talks in his article about um, contract extension. I did see an article just before the pod from the Evening Standard saying that Palace and Guaita are talking about I should say other football outlets are available, um, are talking about a contract extension. I mean, that has to be top of their priority, Kevin, at the moment, surely. Yeah, can I just ask you while you're pointing out that other football outlets are available, <laughs> we've got a bloke from Sky on. Basically, I don't, I, I don't, until Jim White tells me it's happening, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't, I basically don't believe it. God love it. Um, it's, um, it's, it's something we've talked about in the past, isn't it, how Palace do business, and it, sometimes it seems to be a mystery, but... I mean, this is this is a deal we have to get done as quickly as possible. And my my understanding, and I like saying that because I sound like a Sky correspondent when I say my understanding is there'll be that, articles on you. You saying that, this now? He, yeah, we've said before. He <laughs> does. I I I think my, I, I genuinely think he he wants, and I think that will make the negotiations easier, basically. And and I still think the odd thing is that even despite this these weekend's high profile saves. As Bridget said, he's still a little bit under the radar. For, yeah. You know, I, th- you know, I think most most of the top six clubs would be slightly disappointed if they were to say, right, we're bringing Goethe in. They kind of go, what, what, the Palace keeper? He's like, yeah. and, uh, he, he's he's a keeper. He's not he's not young, though, Bridget. Is he 33? 33. So, I mean, this this next contract for him is is a, probably his last big one. And I, I just hope, despite the change in economic circumstances, we... We pay him what he wants and what he deserves, really, because we we need to keep our best players, and he's without a doubt one of them. Yeah, well, I mean, Bridgie, we've seen Palace obviously dish out big deals for Wilf and Benteke and Max Meyer. Remember him? Um, so clearly, they they have the budget for it. But if you're going <laughs> to splash out on a big trans a contract for anyone at the moment, it has to be Guaita because he's just so important to this team. Well, I mean. You look at it another way. If you if he left, then you're going to have to be spending about ten to twelve million to replace yeah, him with that ability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it turns into a no-brainer in my eyes, you know. And I don't know what the negotiations would be, but he, he looks like someone who might not be too much of a problem given mm. the issues. But yeah, if you would imagine, Steve and Dougie will be wanting to get this done pretty quick now, because as I was saying to my friends yesterday, Spurs mates. 
they didn't really know who he was. Yeah. Now they do. Yeah. And that's the difference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not saying necessarily saying about Tottenham, but I'm, you look at um, other football clubs, they're struggling. I mean, you know, I don't think, Le- I think, I think uh, Arsenal sold the wrong goalkeeper. They yeah. sold Martinez yeah. to Villa. I yeah. think he was, he was better. Be- what do I know? But he's better than Leno. Um, Chelsea, um, they had a world record. He's now on the bench. Yeah. And it's now Mendy. Um, we don't David De Gea, Henderson. You know, you're talking about top teams here, teams who should be at the top of the league. So Crystal Palace having this goalkeeper and someone you're hoping will come good again in Butland, you've got to be happy with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but the, the 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 key for Palace now is get it done quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. We have had other yeah. questions about where does he sit in the list of Lier says, on a scale of Hennessy to Martin, where does he wait? <laughs> I think we'll save that for another day because it is too early Hennessy days. Below we'll, Martin. We'll, we'll, we'll save that for future day. Poor old Wayne, even when he's not playing, he still gets hammered <laughs> on this point. Um, anyway, you can read that article about Greater from Matt Wisdom at The Athletic and plenty more. And if you visit, visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can get a subscription for just £1 a month. Uh, after the break, questions. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to part three of the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey. It's time for questions from our listeners. Uh, ben Agbaimoni. Hi, Ben. Says, wow, what a performance. Have we turned that corner or was that overall <laughs> performance typical Palace? Two and one there, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> He's merged it. He's merged. Good, good lad, Ben. Um, let's just say yes to both of them. Um, yeah. All the above. Here's some questions about Luka Milivojevic, Kevin. Uh, Chaz yeah. Lucas says, Luka's, Luka's best game for a while. Um, and uh, and then Jack MK95, will the Luka agenda end now? And I did see one other question, which I may have deleted, I don't know what happened, of someone saying, um, oh, it was PC Wires, saying, did we actually miss Luka? Or did some of the performance make us realise maybe we did miss Luka a bit more than we thought? I would still rather Gyro had started for one of them, but I think you we've been quick to criticise Roy in the past, especially after the Burnley-Newcastle games. I think you have to give him credit. I think he picked the right midfield for that, that game yesterday. I think he assumed that Tottenham would probably pick a more combative midfield and a skillful one. And I thought both of them, but I thought I'd actually forgotten how good Luca was. If you remember earlier in the season, we said that maybe Luca was now fourth or fifth in the yeah. midfield pecking order. And with, with hindsight, that was one of those conclusions that we let to probably way too, <laughs> way too We quick. don't it, do that, surely. But it, it, but it does indicate what, what Michael said earlier about the depth of our squad in that we've, yeah. we've now got positions, you know, in, in two last two seasons, Luca would have been the first choice, whatever, no matter how fit he was. It would have been Luca plus one other, and now we can we can do without him if necessary. But it turns out, oh yeah, he is a really good midfield player, and he's he's been injured. He's been uh, unwell apparently too. So, but clearly yesterday he looked fit. He looked sharp. He looked how he was when he was back at his best when he's he's tackling, but didn't look like he was going to give fouls away, let alone get get a yellow card. There's a, a little spell when he was getting quite reckless, and I thought the two of them really created a platform by which the attacking players could go and do their, go and do their work. So, but having said that, you know, Gyro will come in and play on Wednesday and we'll go, he's got to start every game. <laughs> the trouble is there's only 11 places. So, you know, Lucas, I think, uh, you know, I think there's, you, you could, you could have picked almost a different 11 yesterday to start the game. And I don't think there's been a time since 2013 when we could, when we could say that. 
to be perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah, well, we've talked about the midfield combination almost every week on this podcast, and I think you're right. Bridgie alluded to it. This squad, and we've said recruitment is an issue on this podcast so many times yeah. over the last few years, but clearly we are building a squad where there are options. And as you say, Luca probably would have been first name on the team sheet before, but... You know, Quentin Solden done us another question saying, was today's lineup our first choice going forward? I would say so. But then Dodster76 has said MacArthur or Riedeval to start in the next game and why. And Chaz Lucas from earlier had said MacArthur, however, should he be swapped out for Gyro? I mean, Enders, we have these options now. I know Gyro is yeah. a very popular player mm. and I think we'd all like to see him playing. But is this actually quietly going to become one of the reasons we're doing so well, one of our strengths is actually yeah. we do have these options in midfield, a really it's, important position on the pitch. It's what I think they term in football as squad rotation, mm. which is something we've never really come across before because <laughs> we've never really had it. It's, 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 it's all the big clubs that we always moan about because they've got so much money and such a great bench that they can afford to have squad rotation. We, we, we've actually got the luxury now. The idea that the thought of us a couple of seasons ago, sitting here thinking, is this the best midfield or that one or this one or that one, knowing that they're all good in their own particular way. It's, this is where the manager, I mean, look, I'm talking about Roy, Roy Hodgson, one of the most experienced managers in the world, but this is where you'd like to think that the manager's... Uh, intelligence and insights the game comes in because he's got this yeah. abundance of players in front of him who we can play and we, us four can sit here and talk about it and come to who we think should play against West Ham or against um, Liverpool or whoever but he's this is where Roy will hopefully come into his own and he'll choose the right ones for the right team it's a good it's a good problem to have it's a problem as a Palace fan we're not that used to because normally it's like he's definitely first on the list. Yeah. He's definitely playing. He's definitely playing. There's maybe a couple of issues round and about, you know, maybe a, a left back or a, a right midfielder, whatever. But this time it's not. It's like, well, he could possibly, and then he could maybe, and if he plays, then he could. And it's it's a good problem to have, and it, it makes hopefully it'll make the pod more interesting as well. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's, it's only, <laughs> we can dream. We can dream. It's, it's, dream. Only, it's only two seasons ago, and as our one midfield option off the bench was Chungi. Yeah, that exactly. Yeah. And also, yeah. in, some, in some games, he was our one striker option as well. Yeah, no, exactly. And it, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it, it just shows how much, I, I still, you know, whether how, how much of that policy is deliberate or how much we've lucked into some of the players we've brought in, I don't... That doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't matter. It's, it doesn't matter. It does because you know my reluctance to give a certain somebody any <laughs> switching oh, yeah, of course. phrase yeah, 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 whatsoever. Yeah. But we have got... <laughs> and to the extent that you start to think, well, how's he keeping that Shoei happy if he's not playing? How's he keeping Gyro happy yeah. if he's not playing? And these are problems we've not had hmm. ever in the Premier League that we've suddenly, <laughs> like the big grown-up teams, we've suddenly got enough options to, to think well you know we, we have to and again I think this, the team would to second guess what we talked about in the preview Roy very rarely changes the winning team I think mean, if they all came out of that game fit yesterday mm-hmm. that would be the starting 11 but yeah. if if one of them is, is injured in training you think well alright it's not the Fine, disaster no. it would have been last season or the season before because we've yeah. got plenty of options mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely a sort of managerial skill I'd imagine to keeping squad players happy like people like Batshuayi like say people like Jaro Readabout who we've talked about yeah. as, in the last when did he sign two years ago three years ago that he's quietly sat around, could have gone to Swansea, I think it was, didn't yeah. go, and now he's in the team and he's reaping the award. So there must be some managerial sort of uh, dealings there to keep people like that happy. And um, Bridgie, what are your thoughts on on Luka Milivojevic? Because he comes up a lot on this podcast, and I think when you see someone every week like we do, then you see their failings almost maybe more than their pluses. But from an outsider's perspective, what are your thoughts on Luka? And, and obviously focusing on Sunday as well. Solid captain, but like like all the players, you know, need competition. Um, and I'm looking at Palace now, and as you've mentioned, competition. You know, he he looks like a good. I mean, when he, he didn't Allardyce bring him in? Yeah. Looking back, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't think anyone would have thought in a million years that he would he would have been the captain and and had this influence. Um, but it's like all the players at Palace now that it's good they're they're being kept on their toes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of Liverpool, right, okay, we all, we all know about Liverpool's injuries, blah blah blah. Everyone gets injuries, but a lot of the players that we know we're not they're not household names on the bench. Palaces are, uh, and you know, got Gyro now. Where you'd, you'd have imagined a couple of seasons ago he was going to be shown the door. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know what's happened with Max Mayer. You guys will know a hell of a lot more than me about that. When I first saw him in pre-season, I thought, oh, this is just the kind of player Palace fans were looking for. Mm. Exciting footballer with a little bit about him. It's just not happened. No. Um, oh, he's, he's basically, Eze is what, Mac, is what we yeah, all thought yeah. Max, Max, yeah. Max Mayer was going to be. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, that's, right. that is really right. simple as that. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what we thought yeah. we were getting. And it's only yeah. having Eze now, we realise what we, we should have been getting from Max Mayer. Yeah, for the last yeah. three seasons. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, uh, but no, yeah. you've, you've answered for me. I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a such an exciting player for Palace. I mean, it's an exciting time. But like Bashwai, just because he's coming on alone doesn't give him the right to start. Yeah. You know, you've got to earn your place. Yeah. Uh, and and it's, you know, for Ben, and you're looking at Ben Teke now. I mean, when it said he'd scored the other week, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but, um, he scored twice. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I, I refreshed live score. And I, 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 did, I, I did the update. It told me to do it. You know, still had still his name on there. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's looking good, isn't it? I mean, it, it's, the squad is stronger, but you know, and they'll, and they'll need that because there's so many games over Christmas. Yeah, so everyone, yeah. everyone is going to play a part, but everyone needs to sort of dig in now. With the responsibility, and like I don't mean to be boring, but like not just Wilf. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Actually, no, true. You're not right, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> that um, that Christmas schedule, yes, actually, that is going to play into our hands. Hopefully, with with more options. Um, I'm Ben Teke, Kevin. We've had a question from Total Tech Soccer. Hi, Total. I think I right. used to play as a kid in the 90s. Uh, he said, um, if Benteke continues to perform like today, but doesn't score many goals, minus 10 is what he's put, do we offer an extension? Yeah, I, 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 he didn't score yesterday, but I thought we had a fantastic game. And that's why I was quite pleased when uh, Roy picked him to start against West Brom, because when he'd come on in previous games, he'd looked good. And it's a, a striker, as Bridgie knows, will always be judged on goals. It's simple as that, always. You know, but we had players like Cameron and Girona who didn't score, but still had decent games. Yeah. But Benteke uh, against West Brom, and yesterday again, the whole game without probably getting the mention or the credit he deserved was was absolutely the fulcrum of that that attack and I, I, he he worked harder yesterday than I've seen him work in, in many a game he was chasing defenders down he was chasing lost balls lost causes he set up a, a, virtually everything started from him you know he was keeping the ball to feet and again he's a brilliant defensive option I, and the goals were brilliant welcome bonus but I think we will score goals with him in the team it's just that he might not necessarily be the one who scores them but for, for me he's got to start without without any doubt and I think I think Roy's probably been thinking that way for quite some time and has been reluctant to do it's, it's been a, a, a constant discussion on this show Bridgie that Roy in an ideal world would play an old-fashioned 4-4-2 and has found a way to sort of play mm. a 4-4-2 and it's, and it's and it's worked. You can't argue it's worked and I, I just think Benteke's growing into himself. It's an odd thing to say about a 30-year-old but he just looks, <laughs> you know, he just looks like he's re, he wants to repay yeah. the confidence that's been shown by the club and I think he's doing it. And in fairness to Roy, Kev, I mean, whenever I, if I speak to him or a colleague speaks to him, he does admit, he does say, look, I've got the squad I want now. I'm happy. Right. You know, you're not going to get an intro. You're not going to get a busy summer. Like he was very adamant that Palace weren't going to go too mad. He said, "Cause I've got when my players come back fit, I, I'm happy with my squad." Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, Roy doesn't. He's not one of those. He doesn't moan a hell of a lot. Fans might think, "Oh, how well, he does," but he doesn't really compared to other managers. He's very fair. Maybe t- too fair mm-hmm. sometimes. Too too gentlemanly sometimes. You know, when you hear other managers, you know, talking about five subs. Well, why don't? Why have you only made one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. you know, yeah. but, but with Roy, you will always probably get an honest response. And I know fans have been frustrated with him over the past few months. I see what's being said on social media, but in, in his defense, he's always said, judge me when I've got a fully fledged squad ready to go when he's got options. And looking at it, when I looked at the bench yesterday, guys, I thought, yeah, Mm. yeah, that's a squad. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's funny with Benteke, isn't it? And we talk about Eze being a palace player. I think in many ways, Benteke is a bit of a palace player. (laughs) Palace in, in the could be good, should be good. Has been good. May, has yeah, been good. Yeah, yeah. Maybe isn't quite doing it, but everyone still loves him anyway. And we're talking about rewarding a striker here with a new contract that, that doesn't score goals, and yet we're all yeah. talking about how well he's performing. Yeah, it's yeah. a very weird situation, but you know, hopefully, if we can even get back to half the player he was in that first season, then I think everyone will be happy. 
I think that probably says a lot about us as a club uh, and the fans of the club that you know we don't want to be too cruel, and, and unless you're Welsh and a goalkeeper, where we really are, are sometimes rather rather over cruel. Poor Wayne. Poor Wayne. Oh, Sorry, Wayne. I just I just said that to make a point, but yeah, no, it's um, with I, I've always okay. been surprised how the fans have never really gone. Ben Teke's back. I mean, a few have, obviously. But, you know, you, you'll find a few getting on Wilf's back, you know, a bit yeah, weirdly. Yeah. And I'm sure a few will get on Eze's back when we're back in the in the, in the the ground. But that's the nature of being a football fan. Most, a lot of them are, are you know, are not that smart. <laughs> you are about to say something really rude then, weren't you? I you, was, uh, I stopped. I pulled yourself. myself from the brink. I'd have bleeped it. I'd have bleeped how, it. How, how, how a Sky Pundit would love to say that about fans. <laughs> <laughs> but Jim White comes to him and just go, well, these fans are just, they're not, they're not bright. They're not passionate. It's like yeah. Jeff Stelling, Jeff Stelling having to go out to Watford fans last week. He just went to say, well, they're idiots. <laughs> well, listen, talking of uh, someone making a lot of noise, the final question this week goes to Keith Roberts. Okay. And it says, do the panel think it is beneficial to the team to have Ray Lewington screaming and shouting at them from the touchline during the game? Yes, Keith. Yes, we do. It's <laughs> yes, one of the most definitely. entertaining parts of being able to hear st- uh, 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 ground sounds uh, during this uh, during this time. Uh, Ray, if, if Ray Lewington could have his own podcast, Kevin, I'd listen to that. <laughs> well, do you know what? If, if fans are, we've had, a, again, we've had this conversation before, and I'm sure Bridgie will say all fans are the same. All fans are taken in by somebody shouting and screaming on the tough side. <laughs> yeah. you, you want to see, remember how much we hated Trevor Francis? All you saw was the souls of Trevor Francis's trainers as he sat down, huddled up inside his coat. You you want a manager. You want, like, Pulis used to talk Yannick through the game. You, you could yeah. see it literally talking it through the game. And we all, we're all taken in by that, even though most professional footballers will tell you they can't hear anything. <laughs> well, yeah. They can't hear anything. And yet yeah. we still want to see them waving. And, and players just look bemused. Go, I'm a hundred yards away. There's 70,000 people here. Of course, I can't hear what Ray Lewington's saying. Yeah. Well, well, because of the relationship, Jose, you mentioned about the respect he's got for Palace and Roy, which is 110% true. I must say, if you get an opportunity, listeners and, 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 you, and you guys, there's something on YouTube called it's this Mourinho cam, which Spurs put a, sort of um, a camera on him to watch him during the games. And against Manchester City and Arsenal, fascinating, absolutely fascinating how he conducts himself on the touchline with the players, listening to every word. And that, honestly, genuine, really interesting insight into what different managers are like. Obviously, Roy isn't the loudest bloke yeah. in the world, but you don't have to be. But yeah, it's very interesting. Must make a point before I, before I go on the fans on Palace. I must say, you know, it really did feel like an away game for Tottenham yesterday because of those supporters mm-hmm. when, the, when, the, when the teams come out. So those fans yesterday made a, a, a hell of a lot of noise and full credit to them. I have to say, talking about Mourinho, I was at Chelsea Macclesfield quite a way back an FA Cup tie and the first 25 minutes was really dull and Mourinho was just sat there and you could see I was in the press box you could see him getting more and more impatient and the ball went out for a throw on and it was clearly a maximum throw on and Mourinho just went absolutely bonkers at the, at the fourth the, the assistant line the referee went bonkers at him and that was clearly the signal for the players the players looked over and went oh hang on we need to up the game and they were, they were, yeah. two, they were yeah. tuning up in five minutes and then Mourinho just sat down again a folded up he's without Without a doubt, Mourinho is the most, the best press conferences ever. A Jose mm. Mourinho press conferences because he plays, yeah. he plays the press like a violin. He's a he's a mm. genius when it comes to the media, and I'm I'm really yeah. pleased. I'm really pleased that he has this respect for Palace because I I love him. I think he's good for the game in in this country and has been. And I I, I love the way he just he used to really wind Chelsea fans up when he talked about how they're proper fans. Look at Palace fans; they're proper fans. I love that. <laughs> Well, there, there was. There, I was told something uh, a few years ago. So when Mourinho was first sacked by Chelsea, many, many years ago, it might have been 2007, eight now, a clause was put into his contract for him not being allowed to join Tottenham for five years. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, although the North London derby is the one for Tottenham fans, there's, there's quite a lot of need with Chelsea yeah. at board level. So uh, that, was, that was always interested me. But yeah, I mean, when you were saying about your Tottenham sporting friends, Kevin, I mean, he, uh, he, he makes me laugh. And like you said, the other day, oh, is it you know, is it a three horse race? But no, we're the pony. You know? <laughs> I, I, I just think you know, talking to a lot of a couple of Man United colleagues and up north, and I said, look, you say it didn't work out for him. He won the Europa yeah, yeah, League, yeah. the League Cup, came second. 
it was his more of his demeanor. And yeah. he's openly said now since that I never, I lived in a hotel. Yeah. Yeah, I pack yeah. it soap every day. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much money I own. I was in a hotel and I just never felt home, you know? So we can all judge these people, but they're still humans at the yeah, end of yeah. the day. So anyway, when invite me back on in 10 years when Joe's Asian man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Let's uh, wrap up the questions there. Thank you very much for all your questions in part four. We're going to briefly preview Palace's trip to West Ham. Right, welcome back to the Five Pan Podcast. Hey, hey. Hey. Pod, uh, pod three something. Um, and it's West Ham. <laughs> oh, I can't remember. It's West Ham <laughs> away. Six two. Though. Thank you. West Ham away on uh, Wednesday night. We just found out, Enders. Uh, you yeah. just told me off air. Um, the London's in tier three now, so no fans there. So all that chat about the fans in part one <laughs> <they're> wasted. <laughs> completely pointless. Yeah. Um, regardless of the fact whether there be West Ham fans in there or not. This is going to be a tricky game for Palace. West Ham are on form. David Moyes yeah. has really found something with this current squad. He has, yes, yeah. as Bridgie says, we do have a good record there in the last couple of seasons, but this is going to be a tricky game, isn't it? It'll be a tricky game. Both uh, teams are full of confidence. You know, um, We've probably got a point to prove because we haven't been doing that well against them there last few seasons. I can see us with the same lineup pretty much. I can't see him changing the lineup after the Sunday's game. Um, I just really hope, like I always say, I just hope we go out at them in the first 15, 20 minutes and use our pace and our inventiveness yeah. and really just absolutely scare the life out of them for the first 15 minutes and hopefully get a goal and uh, we should be all right. I thought West Ham looked... <laughs> I watched the game against Leeds on Friday night and I thought West Ham looked really, really good. Even when it went 1-0 down, I thought they were the team most likely to, mm. to score. They're defensively really solid. They're mm. big big side as well. Mm. Uh, but I think they miss Mikel Antonio, which is an odd thing to say. I mean, he was playing really yeah. well before he got he got injured. Haller, his touch doesn't look brilliant. I know this is I'm tempting fate here. But I think you're looking at two decent sides, both having decent results recently, and it should be a good game. It's, it's, uh, it's just a shame nobody will be there to watch it. Mm. Yeah, I watched their game at Leeds. Um, it was both centre backs. Oh no, Suchek scored, and then Ogbonna yeah. got the winner, didn't he? And and they are they have scored the most goals from set pieces, I think, yeah. this season. Are certainly up there. They are a big team, and they are uh, very strong. Bridgie, I know that you play fantasy football, and I know that because <laughs> we're both in Troy Townsend's mini league, and you and I were battling for top four at one point. Um, Dougie Kylie Keeley, sorry, has said, should I captain Wilf against West Ham? Uh, do you know what? I, well, I, I took him out the other week. He's, I, th- I think he's good value for the fantasy league, given his influence. When Palace do well, he does well, you know, and vice versa. Um, I must say something about West Ham. Um, David Moyes, his reputation because of the Manchester United spell, crushed everything he'd ever done before. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Preston promotion, Everton from bot- yeah. bottom five every year to, to top seven. I think he's had a lot of lack of respect gone his way. And he and West Ham originally didn't choose him. I think they went for Pellegrini in the end. And then they pretty much said, look, we made a mistake there Mm. because we brought him back. So I just think, you know, Moyes probably, his reputation took more of a battering than it really should have done after that Manchester United spell. I think after Sir Alex Ferguson, it was always going to be a tough ask. And you look at it, if you actually look at what he's done over a big space of time, he's actually done all right. And he's certainly doing a good job at West Ham. So it will be a test for, for Palace mm. on Wednesday. But as I said earlier on the pod, there's nothing to stop West, uh, Crystal Palace mm. going for this match. It's, a, it's an intriguing one, yeah. that's for sure, this game. Yeah. Yes, it will be intriguing. You're right about Moyes. I absolutely agree. And I think his the start to West Ham this season matches his best start for Everton or something. I saw a stat that he, he, he personally sort of back to his best. So it will be a very difficult game indeed. And if we come away with anything from this game, I think we'll be, we'll be very happy. Uh, and if you put in a second half performance that we've done the last two weeks, I think that's on, you know, could be a potential. Um, anyway, that's the last of this week's podcast. Bridgie, thanks for coming back on. Great to see you again. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Lovely to see to you guys. Thank you. Top man. Awesome. And Kevin and Enders just as ever. <laughs> thanks for being you thanks for being you you're welcome in many thanks. ways uh, and thanks for our listeners for listening uh, post-match pod will be there for patrons after Wednesday night and after Sunday against Liverpool and we'll be back next week reviewing two games on one <laughs> podcast but until then stay safe and we'll see you again soon goodbye
Social Podcast Network.